welcome to Trials to Triumphs. I'm Ashley Blaine Featherson Jenkins, but you can call me ABFJ. This week, I had the honor of speaking to a woman I've looked up to for most of my life, Melinda Williams. And I have to say, our conversation about leaning into your intuition, believing in fate, and asking for what you want out of life hit so hard. Hands down, Melinda is one of the actors who 1,000% shaped who I am today. She first showed up for me as Bird in the TV series Soul Food, which, if anyone else remembers, the early 2000s played pretty late on school nights. And flashing back to those times, me bargaining with my parents to please let me stay up and watch the show led to so much more. I remember studying the way the characters developed over the seasons and savoring how much the show mirrored my own life. Seeing that familiarity on screen allowed me to create a vision of what I wanted for myself. To see a future where I could be this actress, I could be a role model for young girls one day too. And it all started with watching Melinda, envisioning what I wanted and asking for it. That's something she knows a lot about. I broke down, ask and it is given. Seek and ye shall find. Mm. Knock and the door will be open. Now, there were no, what I realized about those three phrases was that there were no conditions on them. It didn't say ask and, but ask politely mm. and you shall receive. It didn't say seek and make sure you, you, you know, you're seeking with the lights on or you're seeking in a certain place. It didn't say that. And it didn't say knock, but knock real hard. It didn't say any of those things it was very clear. Ask, seek, knock. And so the first thing I did was I said, all right, well, I'm going to ask. And I just started asking literally the way I needed it. Melinda has always inspired me to ask for what I want in life. And her being on Trials to Triumphs is the perfect manifestation of that. And in our Sankofa moment, who Melinda would invite to her annual Rise and Shine Ladies Who Brunch event? You know, I feel like she's somebody who had a lot of insight, who has a lot of insight into, you know, how to do your own thing. You know, yeah. how to um, go against what you see, how to have faith, how to step out and believe in yourself. Melinda, I want you to take me to the beginning. What did New Jersey give you? Growing up in New Jersey, what did it give you? Uh, well, growing up in New Jersey, first of all, gave me seasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did all from Maryland, yeah. It, it gave me seasons, but I will tell you, those seasons were important. Mm. The seasons were important because yeah. seasons change. Um, everything has a season. It's planting season. It's harvest season. It's wintertime. It's summertime. It's time to have fun. It's time to work. You know what I mean? Like Jersey is one of those places that gave me that. It gave me grounding. Obviously, family. My whole family is from New Jersey. Uh, so it gave me a sense of uh, grounding. And even, even to this day, when I'm home in Jersey, I feel very grounded. Although I and I, I will say I feel more grounded in Jersey than I do anywhere else, but I have learned to find my footing and my grounding wherever I am. Ooh, that's good. How did you learn that, though? What happened 
is there was a time when I was living in New Jersey. I had moved to California, but then I had moved back to Jersey. And it was a time in my life where I wasn't really having a great time. I was, um, I was pretty miserable. I was pretty unhappy. Mm. And, and, then, and then I realized that, oh, this is not a place necessarily, happiness, joy. It's not a place necessarily. It's a state of mind. It's a state of being. Mm-hmm. And Melinda, you are going to have to learn how to have that state of mind and that state of being no matter where you are. Otherwise, you would get stuck to a place. You know what I mean? You would get stuck in a place. And I knew at that time, it was time for me to get up and go. I had to get up and go. I was being told it's time to go. And I knew I was going to be leaving Jersey. And so I had to quickly find the way to get myself tethered to happiness and joy, or at least to the ways of bringing myself happy, happiness and joy. And that was through, you know, it was really just through going within, right? Um, like, like my spiritual practices, mm-hmm. um, through my prayer, through my listening, mostly through my listening. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You got quiet. You got quiet. So you could really listen. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't have a choice. Mm. I didn't have a choice. You know, there's sometimes in your life, and 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 I, you know, as as a woman of a certain age, <laughs> there's there are certain times in your life where I I I say you um you can get still, you can be still, or or somebody or something or God can sit you down and make you still. Mm. And this was one of those times where I wasn't choosing to be still. I was being made to be still. Mm. 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 Mm-hmm. Melinda, what did the other side of that look like? Did you guys watch Scandal? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a gladiator. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so... I have a very, do you remember Mel, Mel, what's his name? What's the, what's the president's name? What was his name? Oh, yeah. President Fitz. Fitz, Fitz. thank you, mm. Fitz. Mm-hmm. Right, so remember, Fitz, Fitz was married to Mel, right? Yes. And she was going through this period in her life, which I now call my gray period. But she was going through this time in her life where they were calling her Smelly Melly. Mm. She was calling herself Smelly Melly. She was in a gray robe and some gray Uggs, like day in, day out. That was me. That's what it was like on the other side of that. And I think looking back on it, I, I, you know, I don't necessarily like to, I don't know if I was depressed. I don't know if I was in a depression, but I know that I was in a very sort of dark place like literally everything in my life was gray everything mm. there was no color mm. and so all the metaphors i mean if you see me now and if you see my 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 work my brands everything it's about color mm. uh because when i began to sort of reawaken if you will <laughs> the color started coming back into my life but that gray period that period of 
being under a cloud, you know, like feeling like I'm I'm walking in a cloud or under a cloud and it's only over me, hanging over me. Yeah. That's what it felt like. That's mm. what it felt like. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I want to know, I want to talk about this gray period uh, because mm-hmm. I think we all feel it. How do you keep moving through the gray to get to the color? How do you keep putting one foot in front of the other? Yeah, no, we all go through uh, these periods, these gray periods and these seasons. And I, one of the things that I now believe, Ashley, is that God allows us to go into these storms so that he can in part qualify us, right? Mm. I feel like, well, obviously I didn't know then. I was like, why am I here, God? What's going on? Like, I thought we was tight. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah, I get it. Oh yeah. And I and I literally asked that question time and time again. Why am I here? Why am I here? Why am I here? Mm-hmm. When I got on the other side of it, I'll I'll take you back, but when I got on the other side of it, and when I was clear that I wasn't, I was no longer there. I was in Spain and I was given a set of clues, a set of clues. When I tell you a clear set of clues, like you ever, you have, do you know God gives you signs, mm-hmm. like literal signs? Yeah. Like these, he's, he's got such this amazing sense of humor, but he started giving me all of these clues. And, I, and at this, by this time I was paying attention, it was about five years later. Oh, okay. But by this time, I, I had already started being obedient. I was like, if you just get me out of this situation, G, I'm, I'm, I'm yours. I'm all yours. <laughs> I'm all ears. Yeah. And, and so he did. He pulled me up out of that valley. And once I got up out of that valley, I was like, okay, what are we doing? And I was just obedient to every single move, every single word. Like the first word, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when you hear spirit talk the first time, that's when you listen. You don't ask yes. no questions. Yeah, you don't say, um, well, well, maybe I'll do that in a second, but I want to try this first. You don't do that, okay? That's what I learned. But the five five years after that, when I was in Barcelona, God was dropping all these clues on me, and I was like, what? Things that I I they could not possibly have been coincidences. That I don't I don't first of all I don't believe in coincidences. Okay, but there's no way there's no way possible that there was going to be this many clues being dropped in my spirit that were tracing back to the time I was spending in that valley five years earlier. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like he was saying, listen, I'm sending you these signs so that you know I was there with you five years earlier. When you were asking, why am I here? Ooh. Mm. I had you there because I needed to take you through that lesson. Mm. Mm. And now that I'm blessing you five years later, I need you to know it's me. <sighs> it was me, and it is me. Mm. <laughs> mm. So. Oh, Melinda. Okay, so, oh gosh, so many things are popping into my head because you were just one of the most amazing human beings to ever walk the face of the planet. Okay, so <laughs> what I want to know now, ooh, this is so good. How, okay, I want to phrase this properly. How did you 
create the discernment? Or how did you fortify your discernment in order to be able to connect those dots? Fortify? Oh, I asked. Mm. I asked. Mm. I asked. That's it. Mm. Mm. So, so let me say this. There's no, there's no two ways about that. I used to have this plaque in my house called Ask, Seek, Knock. And I started really, un- I looked it up and I started taking things literal, right? Like I would go to the Bible because I was in a place where I was like, well, I-, I need to understand some of these things that are happening to me. So, you know, let me just look up some of this stuff. So I, I, I broke down, ask, and it is given. Seek and ye shall find. Mm. Knock and the door will be open. Now, there were no, what I realized about those three phrases was that there were no conditions on them. It didn't say ask and, but ask politely mm-hmm. and you shall receive. It didn't say seek and make sure you, you, you know, you're seeking with the lights on or you're seeking in a certain place. It didn't say that. And it didn't say knock, but knock real hard. It didn't say any of those things. It was very clear. Ask, seek, knock. And so the first thing I did was I said, all right, well, I'm going to ask. And I just started asking literally the way I needed it. When I tell you the way I needed it, um, I'll share a little story with you. Please. Can I share a story? Please. So, so side, sidebar, I wrote a book, right? I have a book called The Game of Life and How to Slay It. Mm-hmm. I wrote this book, and, I, and some of these stories are in the book. And one of the things that I recognized from a very young age was that things were happening to me the way I said they would happen. Do you, wow. you know what I mean? Like, oh, yes. I, I, <laughs> Let me give wow. let me give you one one example. When I was 29 years old, I realized that I, I was pregnant with my son and it just dawned on me. It just randomly it was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm about to have I'm about to have a baby." And I always said I was going to get married at 29 and I'm going to have a baby when I'm 30. I've been saying that since I was, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 years old. What? I don't even know why. Melinda. I have no idea. No, like, you know how when you play house or you're playing school or yes. you're playing, like, yeah, I would always be the woman. I don't know what my career I chose was, but I always said I would have a baby at 30. I would get married at 29. And I realized that that had happened. Mm. And it freaked me out a little bit because I was like, wait a minute, am I doing this or do, do I, what? Okay, is this chicken or egg? What's happening? <laughs> Seriously. Wow. So then, so then, so then that brings me to this little quick story I want to share with you. When I decided that I was going to just ask, at the, at the time, I was having, going through financial troubles. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and yes, this was after you knew me on Soul Food. Mm. You know, there was I had done plenty of movies, but still was experiencing some financial difficulties. And I remember saying, "God, I need fifty thousand dollars. I just I want fifty thousand dollars." That's what I said. Okay. Okay. It was okay. it was clear. And so then 
I randomly got a phone call, and not so random if you're listening, because you think, oh, you're an actress, you probably get these phone calls all the time, but I don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. I got a phone call with an offer to play a role. And, you know, it was one of these situations where, you know, there's not a lot of money. And, and I'm thinking to myself, listen, I don't know what you think not a lot of money is right now, because right now I need any kind of money mm-hmm. at this point. Yes. That's where I was. We started negotiating or, we, you know, my agent or lawyer, whatever the case was, started negotiating and the price landed. We landed on, I think, $25,000. Okay. Right. And I didn't know what we were going to come back to, but I called my girlfriend and I said, um, yeah, you know, I don't know what to do. They're negotiating, but I really can't afford to lose this role. I really need to, I need this money. And she said, well, how much do you need? And I told her, I said, I need $50,000. Mm. She said, well, t- well, then tell them no to the deal that they're offering. I said, but I, I, I can't do that. I, I need the money. She said, well, how much can you believe for? Mm. I, you, are you listening to me, Ashley? Listen, I've never been listening more intently in my life, okay. ever. My girlfriend mm. said to me, how much can you believe for? How much do you, do you believe they will give you? I said, I believe 25000 Even though I knew I had asked for fifty, mm-hmm. all I could really in my spirit, if I'm being real honest, I only believed they would give me $25,000. you hear me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my agent, lawyer, whoever was, called me back at whatever point in time and said, okay, so uh, they've got this, you know, a take it or leave it on the table. And of course, in my mind, I knew what they were going to say, but I said, okay, what is it? He said, they said, take, take it or leave it 25. That's all they have. That's their final offer. Mm. I said, okay, I'll take it because I knew that I only believed for 25 <sighs> and I needed the money, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we start going into the, getting into the process, signing the agreement, you know, and this, and all this time takes about, you know, maybe a week, a week and a half. We're still a ways out from going, actually going into production. And then one day, um, as we're going over the, uh, the final agreement and the deal points, I look at the contract and, and the contract said, $50,000. $50,000. And so I called, I called my attorney. I said, why does this say 50,000? We, they said 25 and that was their, their best and final offer. Mm-hmm. He said, oh yeah, but they've decided that they're going to shoot two episodes of this. You know what? So they're actually going to pay you 50. Oh my, I have full body chills. Oh my goodness. Now mind you, this, in all my years, mm. has never, ever happened to me in life. And I've done plenty of these. Mm. They're going to shoot two pilots. I'm like, why would they shoot two pilots? Who does that? <laughs> exactly. It doesn't even make sense. <laughs> <laughs> who, who even does that? And then I said, like, literally dropped the phone like, God, you, you I see you. <laughs> I see you. It's like, listen, I know you could only believe for 25, but you asked me for 50. 
Ooh, 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 ooh. But yeah. Now, when I tell you, wow. you asked me for 50. So, so my point is, all I did was ask. I asked. Mm. How did I get the discernment? I asked for it. I still, to this day, ask for it. Wow. Ask, seek, knock. Period. Wow. Period. Period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I yeah. am just fired up. Oh, my goodness. I want you to take me back to... We're in the late 90s, we're in the early 2000s, and we're in these streets and it's popping, okay? We, mm-hmm. you can't turn anywhere and we don't see your face. We're not celebrating you in some way. Uh, you know, you really are, I feel like it's a season for me from the outside looking in where I just really feel like you were getting your flowers and, and you were being seen. That's how it looked like to hmm. me. Is that mm-hmm. what it looked like? felt like for you? What did that season feel like for you at that time in your life? Wow, that's a really great question. And I will tell you, it did not feel like that to me. Mm. But but I didn't feel unseen. I've always felt cared for. I've always felt the attention, you know, the necessary attention from my mother and my father. So I never went out into the world needing to feel seen and i and i think that was the gift mm. and so what it felt like was was that i was just carrying on that i was just living like people will will ask me even to this day about a job a role um, a, a a line a character and i don't really remember i realized it during the pandemic because I started seeing all these episodes of, you know, like Sister Sister and Moesha. And I was like, oh my God, I, I've done everything. I, mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, I was on that too. Oh yeah. <laughs> just like I would I would see reruns and I would be like, oh my goodness, I remember that show. I was on that show, mm-hmm. but I never watched them because it was just like it was like going to work. And then wait you a know, minute. when you come Hold on, home, Melinda. No. Wait, 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 yeah. wait, wait, mm-hmm. wait, wait. Hold on. Take me back, running the back. Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. typically watch the stuff that you're in? No. <gasps> no. <laughs> oh my so you literally do the work and you just leave it there and go on about That's it. Come <laughs> out. <laughs> wow. I clock out. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. 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 Mm-hmm. It's not always easy to do, you know, watching yourself. It's a little. It's a little weird. There's so much behind it that we're bringing, you know, that's that's what makes it good is that it's not surface. You're actually bringing Melinda into the characters that you're playing. It's one of those things that I'm always, even, even now, and I, I've learned this um, as I've gotten older, is to just even be mindful of the, the roles that you play not just in terms of how you portray um, a Black woman, another Black woman, but, you know, what experiences um, you might be calling into your own own experience, right? What, what energy are you putting out there that you may, may not want to call into your own experience? Yeah. I think it's important. I think it's important to say, uh, 
And it's not just about me um, as an actor. I think it's about all of us because, you know, words are very powerful. Whether yeah. they're written by someone else or not, they're coming out of your mouth. Mm. Mm. You know, we used, to, we used to be on Soul Food and things would happen on, on the set that would mirror our, our own lives. And we would be like, what? Is this how is this happening? How do they know this? Yeah. How are the writers able to know that this is happening? And it's like they they don't. But you but but sometimes you know when they say art imitates life imitates oh, yeah. art that's that's a real thing. Oh yeah, it's a real thing. Oh yeah, I um I experienced that in the fourth season, especially in the fourth season of Dear White People. I remember. By the time I read the scripts, my mind was blown because everything that they had written for Joelle mm -hmm. was happening in my life. Joelle mm. got engaged. Joelle ended up getting Oof. married to Reggie. It was truly my husband, Daryl, and I. I was like, this is... And they didn't know. They literally wrote this before I even got engaged. Before, yeah. it, obviously, I had not gotten married yet. All of those things. And so I, it really really made me truly realize that. And it also made me be even more intentional about the types of shows or, you know, the type of energy that you let in. Because, mm -hmm. you know, you don't... I, that's why I kind of... Um, I get weird about doing things that are too dark. Because I'm like, mm -hmm. mm, I don't... I I don't want that. <laughs> I'm not naive to think that that can't in some way maybe you know, seep into my my home life. And I just am very protective of that. Um, Good for you. Yeah. Do you have like an example of something that was happening for you um, mm -hmm. that was truly like being imitated, you know, in your life, art imitating life, imitating art? <laughs> well, it's, it. well, uh, first of all, I'll say good for you. Um because you know yourself, right? And yeah. I know myself. And I know sometimes things that I even think of show, in my, show up in my experience. So I'm even, like, really careful about, you know, going, oh, don't think that. Let's think something, you know, think something more positive. Yeah. And so, but again, I wasn't really super clear about the power of the spoken and written word as I am today. Mm. But But back then... When we were um, working on Soul Food, I just remember, I remember there being one particular incident, and this is just one, it's not even a big deal, but we were staging or um, reenacting a flood in uh, Big Mama's house, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the character Lem, who was played by Darren DeWitt Henson. Mm -hmm had left the bathtub running and we came home and water was leaking into the living room. I think it was like the first episode or the second episode. I was going to say, I remember this. This is, this is coming to me. This is coming back to me. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And so, um, so we had to play out this whole thing. Everybody was really mad at um, Lem's character because he ruined Big Mama's house and the, the bathtub came crashing through the floor. Well, during the filming of that same episode, not on the same day we were filming that scene, but during the same, the, the filming of that episode, we had to clear out our trailers because Darren's trailer flooded. And we were like, how does the trailer even flood? Like, how does that even work? <laughs> yeah. Why is this? And why is it his room? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> 
And so that was one of those things where we all just kind of wide-eyed, looked around at each other like, ooh, this is weird. (laughs) When I came to play the character of Bird, our lives were parallel. And it was so interesting because I originally said no. I was like, I I don't, I'm not going to Toronto to film a TV series because I'm, I'm, I'm newly married. I have a brand new baby. Um, my marriage is in peril and I'm needed here at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember that, that, um, offer came back about three times Whew. and I kept saying, no, no, no family first. It's my, my family is more important than any role that I I don't, I'm not going away Yeah. right now. I'm going to take care of home. And then the last time, the final time that it came back around, it was weird. Again, I was, I was running, I ran into someone at Gelson's at the grocery store and, Mm -hmm. and that person said, oh, hey, I'm so-and-so and and I work for such and such studio. I heard that you were going in to test for bird. I was like, well, no, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who told you that. Yikes, you at know, the grocery store? Yeah, oh my at goodness. At the grocery store. <laughs> what? And then I ran into someone at a movie um, viewing. A, uh, it was like a premiere. It wasn't a, it was a screening. Mm-hmm. And that, and that someone else said to me at that screening, there was, they were like, oh, I heard you were going to play Bird. And I'm like, I'm not. Why, why does everybody think I'm doing this? I already said no. Wow. And so the final time it came back around, I said, oh, my goodness, I must, uh, I don't, why are all these people calling me and telling me that I'm supposed to play this character? Let me look at it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm in the car. Um, I get a call from the producer, and this was um, Felicia Henderson, Felicia T. Henderson, and she said, um, I really, you're, you're the one. Mm-hmm. You're the only one to play this, this role. Um, we have a test for you at Showtime, you know, and and I would really like for you to be there. And I know they were testing some other um, actresses as well, as well. And I just said to her, I said, listen, I said, I appreciate your call and I will think about it. Mm-hmm. I will, I will think about it. I will pray about it. And thank you for calling. Because I was resigned at that, you know, before that call. Yeah. But so putting together, I didn't tell her about, oh, yeah, well, I ran into somebody at Gelson's. They said the same thing. But, you know, I, I remember, I remember getting on an on-ramp to the 405 as, as I hung up the phone. And I thought to myself, I said, what would my mother do? That's the first thing I said. I said, what would my mother do? Mm. And then the answer, you know, that soft voice said, mom would show up. I said, all right, well, I'll show up then. Mm. And when I showed up, you know, I, you know, I had no attachment because I just was kind of showing up because all these people said yes. And Spirit said mom would go and Felicia called. And I was like, all right, I'll go. And when I got there, I, I, um, I did my test which is, you know, when you have a test, you are playing out a scene from one of the episodes. And in this case, it was the, the first episode. Yeah. And, and I remember the scene being a scene where I was at odds with my, with Lem, with, with, with my husband, with Bird's, Bird was at odds with her mm-hmm. husband. Mm. 
And, you know, it was, it just was coming from a pure place. It was coming from a real place. I allowed the emotions of where I was in my real life to ride the words of the character. Mm. And I remember as soon as I was done with the scene, and the scene was like going off on Lem. <laughs> Bird was going <laughs> off on Lem. And I just remember looking out and and seeing everyone in the room. There were about 15, you know, casting network executive, studio executive, about 15 people in the room. And I just remember they were all staring at me. Most of them had their mouths open, mm. but you could hear a pin drop in the room mm. when I was done going off. And, and, and in that moment, I thought, oh my God, I think I just blacked out. <laughs> and then I looked at, I looked at them and I looked at all of them and I said, I'm so sorry. Because I almost like I didn't know what happened. Mm -hmm. And then someone broke their character. It was like, no, 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 don't apologize. Oh, my mm -hmm. God, that was amazing. That was amazing. <laughs> I said, no, no, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm so sorry. Because I kind of felt like I had let all my dirty laundry show. Yeah. Which is what yeah. you're supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, that was me going through the first season of Soul Food and and. And now that I look back again, it was God allowing me the space and yes. time yes. and resources that I needed in that time in my life to go through what I, I needed to go through. Yes. Yes. Work through it. Yes. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's so, you saying, first of all, I so needed that story. But you saying, as you're telling the story, I, I put mm -hmm. that dot, I connected that dot even before you got there of God wanted to give her space. He, mm -hmm. It had to be Toronto. It couldn't be yes. uh, the Fox lot over in Culver City. No, no <laughs> it had to be Toronto. And in your head, you're like, Toronto, Canada. I'm going out of the country. I need to work on this marriage. I have a, a baby that needs me. And God said, you have to trust me. Not only is this mm -hmm. an opportunity that I that I, I've created specifically for you, my child, but I mm -hmm. need you to remove yourself from this situation in the physical. And yep. I'm going to give you a job in the midst of it too. So are you going to trust me mm -hmm. or not? You know, like it's kind of like... Or not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. And and it was and, and again it was like that uh, again was a metaphor for I'm just going to take you away for a season. Mm. But I will bless you greatly. And yeah. he did. Yeah. Beyond. I mean, he blessed me with two new sisters. Yeah. And and a whole n another family. You know, in my soul food family and and blessed me with a role that, you know, was just so endearing to so many people. And that that really changed my, it changed my life. And and some might think when I say that, that I mean, oh, playing on a, a series regular on a TV, TV show changed my life, changed my life. But that's not the case. It changed my life because the relationships that I made as a result of being on that show and even the relationship that I began cultivating at that time with 
who was my husband at the time, was as a result of the people who I was surrounded with. Mm. You know, there was no time to become bitter. There was no time to be angry. There was no time to be, you know, to to fall into a place of, of feeling jaded about anything. It was like just blessings were being showered on me while I was going through this crazy um, life ex- life-changing experience. Yeah. And so then I turned around and I was like, wow, I was so grateful for all of it. All of it. Because had I not gone through those things, there's no way. I, I don't know. I Sometimes I felt like the first season of, of soul food, actually maybe more like the first season and a half. I kept thinking, why haven't they fired me yet? Because I'm just phoning this in. I'm just not even, I'm not even really working. Like mm. I'm just working out my personal yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm doing. And so they don't know that. And 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 then later I learned, well, you know what? That's what they wanted you to be doing. Oh, so. yeah. And, and more, <laughs> you know, the bigger thing, though, Melinda, is that's what God needed you to be doing. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, take the producers, the executives, all these people out of it. That's mm-hmm. what he needed you to do. And he was, and the beauty of it is that he gave you the opportunity to work through it, doing what you love to do, what you were called Oof. to do. Yeah. That is only a situation that God can configure. Only. That's like, right. That's, that's nothing right. that any of us can do. Only he could do that. And, uh, you know, meanwhile, it to me, is one of the most iconic characters, one of the most iconic performances I've ever seen on television. But to you, you're well, like, I, mean, I was just working out my stuff. <laughs> you're like, you know? I was just working out my stuff. I mean, yeah. I was, and, and and think about it. I tried to say no. I you tried did. to mess you it did. up. <laughs> you did. And that's why I always say, like, listen, when it's for you, it can't nobody take it from you. Mm. You hear me? Mm. That yes. wasn't something that was that was created for me. Not by the by the producer or the showrunner. It was created for me by God. Yeah. What has been your takeaway from our conversation today? Well, the word love keeps coming up. Um, That's the Mm. first word that came up. And I, you know, like I always say, I always listen to the first word. And I'm thinking, well, is is it she loves me or, well, Mm. I love her? Or what is it? It's both. It is both, (laughs) but it also feels like to me, if I really think about it, it's like, again, because we're in a double up year, right? We're in 2022. Yeah. That means that you and I agree that we, the collective we, need to hear and see these things and need to hear and see this conversation. So that's my takeaway, mm-hmm. that we agree that this is this is fortifying, it is healing and 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 hopefully it is, um, you know, it'll spread like wildfire. Like other people will be having these same kinds of conversations. Other mm-hmm. black women. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good. My takeaway is that nothing is, it's like you said, you don't believe in coincidence. It's that it, mm-hmm. it's the it's I've been this conversation has confirmed that for me and and, and specifically with you because again I, I just go back to how connected I felt to you I've felt to you for 
20 years, having never had a conversation with you in this way, having never had lunch or dinner or none of those things, just truly feeling connected. And now having what I would now call probably one of the most impactful and beautiful conversations I've had with someone in my lifetime, it's that it wasn't Mm -hmm. a coincidence. Everything I felt then has always Mm -hmm. been true. And it's Mm. only more true now. And that is, to me, one of the biggest blessings of life is that some, you know, at some point in time, what you've always felt will be confirmed in a way that only God can confirm for you. And I just feel so blessed to have been in this space with you. I truly, Melinda, I want to tell you that I love and honor you. I really, really Mm. do. I honor you. And I... Thank you. So, I I must say, thank you. Thank you for saying yes. Just thank you for saying yes to me and to everything that you are called to say yes to. I just thank you for listening. So, thank you, thank you, thank you, Melinda. Thank you, Ashley. It's been an absolute pleasure. After the credits, do what nobody else is doing. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a scary prospect, do it. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is produced by LWC Studios for OWN. The show's executive producer is Juleka Lentigua. Its senior editor is Verilyn Williams. Sound designer is Cedric Wilson. Managing producers are Camille Stennis and Paulina Velasco. Assistant producers are Michelle Baker and Shanice Tyndall. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, and we hope you do, please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and review wherever you listen to your podcast to ensure you hear the next one. So, who is one woman from history you would invite to your annual Rise and Shine Ladies Who Brunch event? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it would. the first person who comes to mind is um, Madam C.J. Walker. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, 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 you know, I feel like she's somebody who had a lot of insight, who has a lot of insight into you know how to do your own thing you know how to um go against what you see how to have faith how to step out and believe in yourself and to do what nobody else is doing Mm -hmm. even if it's a scary prospect do it she could teach us a lot yeah i think that's Mm -hmm. good that's Mm -hmm. really good I know I, I want to come to this brunch, Melinda. Can I get an invite to the brunch? I'm trying to come. You you absolutely can. You absolutely may. <laughs> wait for it. You Yeah, I'll see you there. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm so excited. Thank you, Melinda. 